Welcome to Below the Line, where we talk about working in Hollywood from the crew perspective. My name is Skid. I'm a former assistant director and your host. As listeners are probably aware, Hollywood production came to a standstill in early March due to the coronavirus pandemic. If you can't gather in groups without risking everyone's health, it will cobble even the simplest production under normal filming procedures. In the midst of the shutdown, however, a handful of shows pulled together their cast and crew and created quarantine-themed episodes. My guests today represent three of those shows, and we've gathered to compare notes on how they got it done. It's possible there will be spoilers for the shows we're discussing. Let me introduce my guests. Each of you, please take a minute to introduce your show for listeners who might not be familiar and the premise of your quarantine episode. Jason Milius, you're the key second AD for All Rise on CBS, and your quarantine episode aired on May 4th. Yes, uh, I work for All Rise on CBS, and the, the nature of our show is basically the lives of uh, the court system in Los Angeles. So judges, lawyers, paralegals, all the way down to bailiffs and the clients and, uh, and other prosecution members that come into play. Uh, the premise of our episode was essentially how does the court system continue during a pandemic, during uh, an, a time where people can't get together, people can't get together in larger groups at the time. It was, you weren't supposed to get together with more than 10 people. And if anyone's ever been to court, you know that, that you have well more than 10 people involved. So how are the court systems operating? And that's what we tackled. Jason, glad you're here. Next, Mike Karen, you directed the quarantine episode of Nickelodeon's Danger Force, which aired on May 9th. Yes, we aired our quarantine um, episode in May. Uh, we, for us, uh, a Nickelodeon multi-camera kid show, uh, we, our silver lining was that we had aired our pilot episode in March 28th, which we were all in quarantine and the show uh, took off. We had um, uh, great ratings, uh, great feedback on it, the spinoff of Henry Danger. So when we got to the quarantine episode, we were shut down. The idea was how do we, you know, I mean, how do we keep our momentum alive? How do we stay, um, how do we stay on TV? And the quarantine idea came out of um, TikTok, believe it or not. Uh, one of our actors um, who plays one of our villains, the toddler, Ben Giroux, um, had this great idea with Cooper Barnes that they would do these little TikToks of the toddler and Captain Man talking and sometimes even fighting in, um, in the quarantine just by doing little single camera iPhone shots and editing it together. And from that, after Nickelodeon had watched that and um, our showrunner, Chris Nowak, uh, they decided that, that we could actually probably make that into a whole episode. And uh, we did. Well, Mike, thanks for coming back today. For listeners who might be unaware, Below the Line did an episode specifically about Danger Forces quarantine episode near the end of the last season. It's episode 10 of season five. Finally, Emily Hogan, you were one of the alternating first ADs for Mythic Quest, and you were the first AD on the quarantine episode, which Apple TV Plus released on May 22nd. Hey, Skid. Yes, uh, Mythic Quest is a half-hour workplace comedy um, set in the world of gaming development uh, company. The uh, quarantine episode explores how our main characters are handling uh, being stuck at home at quarantine, working from home, and isolation. Well, thanks, Emily. Appreciate all of you joining us today. Let's start by talking about the state of your various productions when the shutdown happened. Jason, why don't you go first? For All Rise, we were just uh, coming up to the end of our season, which was going to be 22 episodes. So we'd been shooting um, 
since the pilot, which was March of the previous year, a couple months off picking up production in July. So we'd almost been going, for those, for those of us that had done the pilot, we'd almost been going for a year. Uh, we were in episode 21 and uh, about halfway through, about day three, four of, out of seven and a half. And we were in the prep of episode 22, which was going to be our finale. Um, and uh, just like everybody else here, it was, uh, you kind of showed up to work that morning and Disneyland and China was shutting down. Like you, everything was starting to shut down and you thought, well, when is it coming for us? And then by the end of the day, um, it was kind of like, uh, you know, crew meeting, everyone uh, grab your things. We're going to reevaluate tomorrow morning. You'll get a phone call, um, whether or not to report to the studio or not. And, uh, and we'll go from there. And that's exactly what happened. And, and that's probably a whole podcast within itself. Cause that was such those three days of going to the lot with nothing happening and nobody around. And it was overcast in LA, which is weird. It was just so eerie and, and very walking dead. Um, so, uh, but that was kind of like the, the state of where we were. And, uh, and we all walked away uh, at that moment. Mike, what about the danger force shoot? I know you guys were yeah. about uh, halfway. Through. You, you mentioned that you guys were in quarantine before your, series premiered but uh tell us where actually production was when it happened we started uh we shot the pilot in um the end of january so we were in the middle of uh we were on our 13 episode pickup uh we had a multi-camera show we shoot monday through friday um and friday being obviously our last day of shooting and just like jason was saying it's starting wednesday march 11th is when I believe that's when the travel ban was announced. Um, I had a daughter actually in London who was studying abroad. So that, I mean, I was kind of off all week anyway, just trying to figure out, okay, we got to get my daughter home from London. What's going to be happening with the production? Rumors were flying all over the stage. Um, I'm sure with you guys, like, is this really, it was just so, is this really going to happen? And I, I mean, specifically, we just all walked around going, well, and we had a hiatus the next week. So- oh. By the time Thursday hit, um, it started getting a lot more real. And then Friday by uh, lunch, our, um, our UPM producer, Jimmy Brooks, was pretty much saying, I, I don't think we're, I, I think we're going to definitely take the week to reevaluate. And so just like just Jason said, our, our showrunner came out and said, okay, you know, we are, you know, obviously not going to ignore what's happening and uh, we're going to basically reevaluate as well. But we, but luckily we finished episode, we, we did finish the episode because we did, we went home on Friday, like at five o'clock. Um, and then just like you said, went away. I didn't even occur to me. I didn't even really bring anything home from the office. I was like, well, I mean, come on. You know, I took my bag, I guess. But everything else is, like you say, going back to the studio is going to be like going back to a crime scene in a weird way. Like nothing's <laughs> going to be touched. You know, everything's just pencils or papers, scripts are just going to be sitting there. Well, I get, well, it's probably, it'll be cleaned up, but. Um, but certainly, <laughs> but certainly it's, uh, I like your walking dead reference. It was very, uh, very, very eerie, very eerie. Now, Emily, your situation is a little different. You can tell us more about it. Mythic Quest dropped their entire first season in February, but I understand it was actually shot last year. Tell us more about the state of production for Mythic Quest. So, yeah, so we had uh, just started airing in uh, February, I think. Uh, that sounds right to me. Uh, we had shot the previous season uh, January to March of 2019. So um, that had been in the can for the year. And we had actually uh, just started uh, production on our second season. Um, we were shooting uh, episode blocks. So I was... Um, I just finished prepping the first two episodes um, with Todd Berman, uh, who was the director of the first two episodes. 
Um, at least he was before quarantine. <laughs> and and uh, we obviously, as everybody said, things were going on in China and everything. And we actually started shooting um, the uh, second week of March. So uh, we on our bad, our third day of shooting, which I believe was Wednesday the 13th, um, Rob McElhenney, our uh, executive producer, writer, who actually stars in the show, uh, had uh, basically gathered the entire crew and background together and made an announcement that uh, Thursday was going to be our last day of shooting. Um, we have, we're supposed to be doing a huge crowd scene on Thursday, and I believe the recommendations had just come down um, that day from the, uh, maybe the governor, um, or LA that you could not gather more than 50 people, uh, in the, in the, uh, in a space. And, uh, we had actually canceled the background so that we only had 10 people. Um, we had rented out a huge theater. Um, <laughs> so, uh, that was kind of, um, the beginning of the end, uh, we kind of knew things were definitely coming down. And I actually had a conversation with Rob um, that Thursday about uh, whether or not we were supposed to be shooting Friday, which was going to be an exterior beach scene. Um, so uh, after a bit of discussion um, and safety of the crew, uh, we decided that an exterior scene on the beach was probably the best safest thing we could do, assuming we we're going down, uh, just based on what we knew about the disease at, at that time. Um, and we decided to move forward shooting on the beach on Friday. Um, and everybody kind of knew that was our, our last day of shooting. So everybody was winding down at that point. And uh, we had our, our quarantini shot. Instead of our martini, we had our quarantini. Um, <laughs> and we just kind of packed the trucks and uh, waited to see um we originally thought everybody was like two weeks we'll be down for two weeks so i think that was kind of the expectation when when we uh we shut down and here we are <laughs> so it's funny that two weeks yeah, you're so right we, that was ours too the two yep. weeks that's everyone kept saying that because we were going to go into hiatus i was like we're going to hiatus we'll take another week to get our you know poop in a group and then we'll be back that it's funny you say that because the two week thing was really that was what was really being passed around stage on our you know on our lot yeah, same, same at Warner Brothers. That was the talk on all the shows was two weeks. Yep. Yeah. So. It, it, it got extended. <laughs> <laughs> what is, is it, it's, it's October, right? What is it, what is it now? Is it Halloween yeah. yet? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. My God. Do you think that it's interesting that sort of industry-wide there was this, uh, this, this idea that it was going to be two weeks. What do you guys think the philosophy is behind that? I imagine that two weeks is about the longest a production under normal conditions can shut down. Um, like that's from a producer's perspective, two weeks is a huge shutdown and to say any longer is another level of problem that obviously it, as you're, as the first thing you say, it's not going to be, yeah, we're not going to, we're shutting down for a month. Nobody, nobody knew what it was going to drag into at that point, or at least didn't want to consider that option. That's what I, I mean. I think it was, I mean, look, just like uh, um, Emily was saying too, we didn't at that particular time, the virus, we didn't know nearly what we know now, obviously. So I think, a, you didn't want to, uh, panic's the wrong word, but you, you, don't, you know, you don't want to walk out in front of a crew and go, well, I think, you know, we're down for a couple of months. I mean, people would have, you know, did a bit of oh, much. Yeah. So I, my suspicion is two weeks sounded about right. You know, I mean, you know, maybe a week to, you know, because obviously there's always hiatus budgets written into any um, production and, 
you know, they could probably cover all that at the time. So my guess is the two weeks was just to not create a whole sense of, you know, like telling 150 people in quite frankly, what you did not know. I mean, you, we didn't know it was going to be two months. We didn't know it was going to be three months or five or six. So that's my, that's my guess. Two weeks probably sounded about right. One week to go down, see what's going to go on. The next week to come back up and start prepping and then, you know, back at it. It seemed like a lot of the shows as well. Yeah, two, I, I agree with two weeks being a, a good non-panic inducing number to, to, to throw out there. And, and if I recall correctly, as you guys remember, your phone's blowing up with everybody you know that's working and, and hey, what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? And, and then the rumors were awful, awful. Like everybody had a, a different story on when they're going back and what they're doing. And so I, I went on Facebook and there was like, a, I think a second AD group. And I said, here's your official, what's going on with every show from what I know from like a viable source. So I started just updating a list of young Sheldon down, not coming back, finishing their season, they're done, you know, that kind of thing. And just making a list of all the shows that I knew were uh, legitimate, had legitimate information to, to pass out there to at least kill some of the rumors. And I think if I went back and looked at that list, I think within five days of say that Friday. So uh, within the first shutdown week, I think the majority of shows had already started to make their decision on either finishing their season or, or, or maybe coming back for one day to finish the last day of an episode or something like that. So, um, yeah. That was um, actually a very interesting discussion that we had too, in terms of deciding whether or not uh, it was safe to go to the beach and what the best thing was. And because uh, originally I think we were planning on shutting down Thursday. Um, and we were going to call it a day. And I just remember talking to Rob and having this whole thing about, yeah, of course, we're outside. So the air and moving and we're not in a tiny space. And I, the other thing that I said is I think a lot of the crew, especially with the uncertainty, would like to have the full paycheck for the week. Like just know going into it that at least they have a full week of a paycheck, not knowing, you know, into the future. And um, I think that was kind of part of between deciding that, you know, because we we're outside and on the beach and it was going to be fine, uh, or we thought it was going to be fine based on the information we had. Um, I think that was also part of the driving factor was just making sure everybody was taken care of for as long as possible with the uncertainty of not knowing when exactly we were going to come back. Well, definitely. I mean, going back, I mean, just, you know, the panic being panic equals, you know, paycheck, like you just said, you threw out the magic word. And I think a lot of people two weeks is manageable. I mean, look, what's interesting about our industry is, you know, all of us here are used to, you know, sometimes longer periods than not that we're going to be off. So it's not unheard of, you know, as opposed to someone who obviously works, um, say for a company, only two weeks of vacation a year, you know, we sometimes we'll have a month layoff. Sometimes we have two months, you know, maybe um, whether we want to or not. Um, but at that particular time, when you're in production, so you kind of base your whole financial, you know, around, okay, this show is going to go X amount of time, so on and so forth. That was, that's what everybody was talking about. How are we going to be compensated? How are we going to be taken care of? How are we going to be, um, and Nickelodeon was great with us. I mean, they did the best they could and I thought it was fair and, and uh, appreciated um, because that's obviously, like you guys were all just saying that the, the paycheck is what started everyone going, well, wait a minute, if we don't come back, how's this going to work? And so on and so forth. Well, Mike, you mentioned earlier how some of your actors putting together TikTok videos sort of became the genesis of doing an entire episode. Um, Jason and Emily, when you guys were on quarantine, not knowing, how did your episodes start back up? So actually, this act had to do with the paycheck. Um, Rob had managed to secure for us uh, three weeks for the entire crew of 
pay, which was amazing. He, he went to bat for us with Apple and uh, managed to arrange that. And uh, he was really, as much as he likes to work and want to do an episode, I think the, the driving force between uh, or of actually doing this um, was trying to get the crew back to work. He wanted everybody to get paid for another week at least um, since at this point we were about a month in and nobody knew how long it was going. So I think for us, um, that for him at least was one of the driving forces of getting this quarantine episode going was really getting the crew back to work, which is just amazing and lovely. Um, for All Rise, um, there definitely was a, a, a focus behind the scenes to try to bring as many crew members back to work as, as possible. So that definitely was uh, an underlying factor for us. Um, how it came about um, was again, taking yourself back to late March where it, it almost seemed like daily you were just checking in with your uh, your family and you were checking in with your your uh, crew members. I was on the phone with my PAs and ADs almost every day, just making sure, you know, the weird conversations, you have food, you have toilet paper, do you need ammo? Like all the weird <laughs> stuff that you talk about uh, back then. And uh, while our producers, uh, we're doing the same thing and they were checking in on each other and over uh, it was over a web um, like a, a web meeting where you, uh, our showrunners uh, Greg and Dee and yet uh, Mike Robin was in there and Len Goldstein and we had uh, Gil Garcetti who's uh, a producer and uh, consultant for our show is former district attorney here in Los Angeles his son's the mayor uh, so he's very well connected into the court system so a conversation came up in that meeting that said Gil what what is going on with the court system how are people still you know people are still committing crimes people are still getting arrested and uh, people still have a right to a speedy trial and all that stuff so how how is the system dealing with that and so he started to give a little bit of input on that and then it was uh, our writers came up with well would it ever be possible to do an online court where you have a defendant just like we're here in our rooms right now i'm a defendant and mike's a prosecutor and emily's a witness and 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 you're, uh, you know, you're interacting through a, um, through a laptop. And uh, there is sort of a precedent in uh, the legal system for a similar situation uh, to exist. And realistically, it is possible to do a court uh, case this way. It would just require, for the most part, a, uh, a defendant uh, to waive certain legal rights. Um, for example, the right to face your accuser, right? Because you're in your own space. The accuser is not in the room with you. So that's the stuff that really got me fascinated with like, wait a minute. Wow, that's pretty interesting to think about the idea that if this were to go long term or if, it, if the disease, say, were to be so strong that people can't interact at all, even with masks, right? So what would happen to the court system? I guess that would be the kind of uh, scenario that would, uh, that would present itself. And not every case would, would uh, be able to work that way, but our writers created uh, a case where somebody might want to expedite their um, process, feeling that they might be not guilty, so they don't have to go into a prison system and wait, which at the time, the, the, the court systems were behind. So now you've got to go into a, a jail system or a prison system waiting your turn to go to a real court and then in the middle of a pandemic where if the guy in the cell next to you is getting sick and they're getting sick you're not able to really quarantine yourself the way you would at home so there is a, a you know there's a chance that somebody might say hey i'm going to waive all these rights get me out of here i think you know i want to get in front of a judge and that's kind of the scenario uh so our writers wrote the episode and i think from from conception on that web call to airing was like five weeks, which is crazy. Um, I don't know that oh, I'll ever yeah. do 
an episode like that ever, even in real shooting, let alone where you have to shoot the episode, but also reinvent how to shoot the episode. Yeah, I think we had three weeks from conception to, uh, to post uh, and, and airing. So yeah, again, it was the fastest uh, I've ever seen anything get done anywhere. Because <laughs> um, Rob was really big on um, it being relevant. Um, and as we were getting towards the end of May, quarantines were starting to be lifted and everything else. And he really wanted to make sure the episode aired during quarantine. Yeah, that was a, that was a huge factor on our side too, is obviously the relevance of it is... Um, to get it out as, as fast as you can, still, you know, maintaining the quality that you hope to have on the show, but the relevancy was, was huge. Um, that's for sure. And that was a little bit of what we were doing too. It's, you know, our, our audiences are all very different. Um, you know, Danger Force is, you know, ages six to 11, we're like the number one show on TV. But that being said, I think there was a huge part of what our showrunner wanted to do, Chris and Nickelodeon themselves in was showing kids, the people that watch our show that, cause you know, the kids are, oh, got freaked out more than anybody. You know, you can't see your friends anymore. You can't do that. You know, I mean, it, it, it hit them hardest. So I, what I liked about our episode and we'll get into this later, but we actually went to the zoom format, 720 shot it like that because we wanted kids to see that this is how kids were interacting with their friends. And then they turn on their, their TV show and they see their characters interacting like that. And we wrote a lot of stuff into our episode. Um, there's a great line where one of our actors says, I miss you guys. And I think we were just trying to let kids know, like, look, we're all, we're all doing this. Even the superheroes are doing this. Um, and I was, I was really proud of that fact that we were able to, you know, art imitating life. And I think for all of us in, in its various, you know, the court system, what you just said was fascinating how, um, how that how that works and it's a great way to start you guys were the first one out of the gate to show well this is maybe how it's going to go um and then mythic quest was I, I i was amazed at the way location i mean you'll get into all that your prop use was i mean that last beat was phenomenal absolutely Thank phenomenal <laughs> there's anything <laughs> like it i mean it was amazing what i think we all did with you know like my boss said uh, chris said he goes it's like we were making a show in a treehouse like we were kids again all right well who can someone go find a brand? Someone go find, you know, just trying to make it work. But, um, but yeah, the relevancy was for sure. Well, let's talk about some of the challenges that you guys anticipated. All of you get called back in. You're on these abbreviated schedules as far as uh, getting everything planned, shot, and then over to post. What are the issues that you knew you were going to face and how did you guys tackle them? I really had no idea where the problems were going to be. I mean, having never done anything like this in my life, I mean, I had a thousand scenarios in my head about what could go wrong. But um, in terms of beyond just creating a brand new way of making television, um, I, you know, I, I found out about All Rise while we were, I think it was first day of shooting or second day of shooting when I heard they were going to be on the Zoom call. And I was like, man, I wish I knew about that last week. I would have reached out and <laughs> to see what, what they did. Um, <laughs> I was like, can I, can I stop shooting and just go listen to the Zoom call for a minute? Just to, um, but I, 
I, that was really the thing is I just, I had no idea. I mean, we have um, F. Murray Abraham, who's an amazing actor, uh, won an Academy Award for his performance in Amadeus, but he is an older gentleman. Um, I think we were a little concerned with how he would handle the technology. Um, and I don't think, you know, we were saying, I don't think he's ever had to slate for himself before. I mean, this guy is a legend <laughs> and here we are asking him not only to set up his environment for shooting, but also asking him to roll camera slate and, and do everything else and just dealing with the technology. And by the way, he was a champ. Murray was just amazing and just wonderful with the whole process. So we just kind of went in blind. I had, I had no idea where exactly the challenges were going to be and just, just had to jump in and kind of go and, and, and tackle things as we found them. Let's spend some more time as a group talking about the technology. Explain to me, each of you, what you ended up using to capture your video and how it came together uh, for the folks in post to do their editing and such. Um, well, on our eyes, we, uh, through the help of our, um, our video playback guys in post-production, uh, we were connected with a, um, a company called Straight Up Technologies and they're uh, their normal mode of working is dealing with maybe live sporting events, um, potentially something like CNN, uh, where they've got reporters in the field and kind of connecting all of those video streams together and, and um, uh, on a client-based uh, situation. And so we were kind of hooked up with them and said, this is what we want to do. And of course they could do it, but they had never done it before. So they actually had to write code and build servers and things to kind of facilitate. And our, what Mike Robin, our, our uh, producer and director, uh, wanted to do was basically he, he wanted to have windows like we have here, like you would have in a normal Zoom. And then, of course, you can go into the mode where the screen becomes full size. Uh, and then uh, and then you've got your kind of gallery view, right? So he wanted to be able to control that uh, in post. And so these guys were able to build uh, a situation where they could, uh, he, Mike, for every scene, scene one, scene two, scene three, he could say, these are where I want the windows. And then our straight up technology guys would record, they would do the recording on their own. So our actors never had to hit like record on their laptop or cause that would be a mess, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but they would uh, be able to record uh, a gallery view and they could record singles. So you kind of were getting all your coverage at one time. And, uh, and of course oh. you could manipulate it and post if you needed to. Um, and then when it came to the court cases, we needed, uh, an actual courtroom set. So we kind of built like a, a court seal and a logo and, and kind of designed with the prosecution and, and uh, on one side and the defendant on another and, and the judge in the center. And, and so they, that was, a, that was the one scene where they kind of built it a little bit more um, towards like a professional setting. Um, but when it came to shooting, the only people that were on screen was initially the actors were put into a set and the director was there. Everyone else could listen in. Jen Reese, who was our first AD, she would be present and they would kind of rehearse the scene. And then when everybody was comfortable and ready to go, the, the director would pop out of his box. The, the set is already set with the boxes and the actors could slate and just go right into it. And, um, and we did that, uh, you know, every, every scene was that way. And then if somebody needed notes, the director would pop back in and he might be on the phone with the writers and stuff, but it was very, the actors basically just had one conduit to communicate, which, which was basically through the director. So if the script supervisor had notes or anybody else, we kind of all just funneled through one path and that allowed uh, for no overtalk and chaos. And it was a very controlled environment and it, and it worked. The straight up technology stuff was, was fantastic. It worked so well. 
we kind of went down a similar path to begin with. Did you have any problem with um, uh, audio delays or anything like that? Was it was it pretty real time? We were um, we were very much real time, and and I will say uh, our prep. Uh, we we definitely wanted to make sure we got the best quality, the best video, the best quality of audio um, that we could, and we understood that there might be realistic blips that would happen. And I believe when you watch the episode, we embellish some, but there are a couple that are natural. And we like that because that's, that's natural to when you're on a, a Zoom call with people. Um, we, in our prep process, we, we went through uh, everybody's house, um, picked their best computers, picked their best locations, and, and did speed tests. We did lighting tests. We did all sorts of testing. Of course, it was just the actor in their home. Nobody, nobody visited the home. Um, it was all done through uh, phone calls and web calls. And we, we made sure that they were getting the best. And, and, if, and if, you know, the first step would be like, oh, okay, you're with AT&T. Your quality is terrible. Let's see if we can upgrade that. And let's uh, get you, let's get you a, 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 your own, a different router. Let's get you this. Let's, get, let's use your cell phone instead. Oh, your cell phone's great. So there was a lot of sending equipment out to all of our, we had 18 cast members of all ages, uh, well, adult ages. And so, again, you were dealing with the same thing as Emily, where you have some um, uh, older uh, actors who aren't as up to speed on technology. But again, they, all, they were all so willing and so happy to be a part of this cool thing that that they just dug right in and, and learned the technology. So we were very lucky that when it came to shooting, um, our, our video and audio problems, there was a hell of a lot of troubleshooting behind the scenes and not, nobody had the same solution, even if they had the same problem. That was probably like, you, you know that technology is the, biggest, um, is the biggest challenge going into it, but it's really the unexpected solutions that are the biggest challenge because just because Marg Helgenberger is having one issue on her internet isn't the same as maybe what Simone might be experiencing on her end. So navigating all of that, but we got ahead of it in prep. And so when we got the shooting, I, we maybe had 60 minutes of total technological downtime over the course of six days. That's pretty. And one of those was like 25 minutes when a, when a server crashed one time. So that was pretty impressive. I was, I was very, very impressed with how smooth the technology side went. Couldn't have been, couldn't ask for anything better. Now, Mike, follow up on that. I know that you guys had, as you mentioned, you guys had looked at some alternative technologies to capture folks, but in the end, you guys just went with Zoom and recorded it as it is. Is that right? Correct. I mean, we, we went down the same road you guys were going down, but our, now the reason I asked about the audio delay is we had started with a company that, and just like you said, primarily up until this point was for, you know, CNN, sports or whatever, just to go into locations. But the problem was when we were putting everyone into that virtual room, we were getting severe audio delays. So, you know, I would say, you know, one, two, three, you count in your head, like sometimes six seconds, then I'd see it said on the screen. So you very, you know, comedy is all a big choreographed timing dance as it is. So we absolutely had to have the, um, the real-time audio for the jokes to, to still work. Plus Zoom, we, our big problem was we couldn't figure out the one we wanted to use was going to air in 4k, you know, the 1080, just a nice, like you, uh, like your guys shows looked over here's. Um, but zoom only records at 720. But we finally came mm. upon that we didn't, I never minded it just creatively because again, I wanted as much of an accurate representation. I wanted the kids to see and Chris as well, the kids to see, what they see when they're talking to their friends. We, we didn't want to try to, we almost felt like if it was too clean, it, it wouldn't look like, uh, like a, maybe like the Zoom resolution that we're seeing now. So 
Um, that's one thing, um, one reason we went down that road. But it was interesting what you said about the gallery view versus your singles, because for us, because we were shooting 720, we couldn't blow, like my little screen here, you couldn't blow that up. You know, 720, you can only blow up like oh, 10, 5%, I, you know, not hardly anything compared to like a 4K. So what we'd have to do is we'd run multiple passes. We'd run a, we'd run a pass just like this with the four screens. Then I'd have all of you video out and just bring one actor stay. And there was my single. So then I'd rerun the scene with uh, just them on screen and then the, um, the other actors with their video off still doing their lines in audio. That was one of the first challenges was like, oh boy, this is gonna take a little time. I mean, you always have to run multiple passes, but that started to add up because we, you had to, because if you're running a, a, a whole gallery view of an eight page scene and it's going smoking good and five pages into it, it falls apart. You don't want to lose it. You need your single to get back out of, you know, you need cut, you know, just to get yourself out of it. So uh, Zoom allowed us to do all of that. And, and the, but the big key was the real time audio, just for the comedy to, just for the comedy to really work. Um, that was a big part of ours. And of course we had a dance and we had a song and we, all kinds of stuff. So <laughs> that, and that's what I think for you guys, that's what was so cool about watching your shows. What I thought was fascinating when we went into it was, we know within five minutes, people are gonna see we're doing quarantine. I mean, you're not, you know, we're not, that's the actor's house. Oh, that's their living room, oh, how cool. But after five minutes, it needed to be our shows. It needed to be entertaining. It needed to be all of these things. And so when Chris wrote the script, I loved how he, he just wrote a script. I mean, obviously, you know, the quarantine have to dictate whatever, but we still wrote in our gags, still wrote, and especially with your shows, I loved how everyone, it's like we weren't trying to pull punches. We were really trying to keep pushing, pushing the envelope on it, which was really cool. And at the end of the day, I think all of our episodes, five years from now, obviously you're going to watch it and go, oh, well, that was their quarantine. But I still think the storylines, they all hold up. I do believe five years from now, you can watch it and be entertained because it's the show you like. And uh, that's what I think um, for all of us here, um, I was particularly proud of that, um, that we, we, we had to do what we had to do in quarantine, but it was still our shows. It was still our shows. So that was very cool. I do believe that that was key to uh, Rob and uh, Megan Gans, who's one of our executive producers and uh, one of the head writers on the show, and um, uh, David Hornsby, who is also an executive producer and uh, writer and actor on the show, is that they wanted it to not only just keep everybody working, but they really wanted it to be part of the canon. They wanted it to fit into the, the overarching storyline. They wanted it to one of the key things that Rob and everybody just kept saying is we want this to stand up on its own. We want the quality to be there. We want it to look like we didn't just rush it, that we, we shot something we're proud of and to get as close as possible in these circumstances to what we would do on stage. Um, and, uh, they kept saying, well, we don't want to be the first, we may not be the first, but we want to be the best. N not, no uh, disrespect to any other shows here. They're all fabulous, but, um, but that was kind of the mantra is that we wanted to, to be the best. And, um, so in terms of technology, we also, again, because of the comedy thing really needed to be able to play off of each other, because that is so key in order for actors to, to make the scene work. They have to be on top of each other. They have to be feeding off of each other. And when you do have that delay, it makes things, the jokes just don't fall right. They don't land. So um, we being an Apple Plus show, luckily had um, Apple behind us, which was lovely. And um, 
so we were able to rob uh, during production. So basically what they had done is they'd run a test um, with the actors. They had gotten our DP and our, uh, our um, Ben who does sound for us uh, together with a bunch of the actors and just on their free time kind of did a, a test, which Rob then showed Apple to try to sell and pitch this episode and uh, Apple saw it and loved it. And then they got on this call. And again, because of the heightened timeline, Rob was like, Hey, so this is what we need. And they had talked before this all happened before I came on. So I'm not exactly sure of the timeline on this, but somehow they came up with the idea that they, what they really needed was about 40 of the new Apple 11 iPhones and the new ear pods for all of the actors so that all of the actors could each have three phones. Um, everything would be shot on the Apple iPhone using 4k. Yeah. Um, so, uh, Apple actually was really amazing about this and they were like, yeah, no problem. We can get those phones to you tomorrow. And so 40 <laughs> phones were delivered, uh, to post for us where they uploaded, um, Filmaic Pro to shoot with. And then yeah, yeah. I'll have to double check on the sound program, but we had a, um, a sound program as well. Um, so basically all the phones went to post these two programs got programmed into the phones. They labeled them, they sanitized everything. And then wow. these phones were all delivered to the actors, um, along with a microphone, uh, and which plugged into the Apple iPhone to help us get the sound that, um, we wanted. And, uh, there was basically a whole kit that went to them. So yeah, it had the mic, it had three phones. Uh, they, we eventually got everybody some sound blankets. It had one tube. We had like one lighting tube that went to everybody uh, just in case. Um, and everybody got some of the new Apple ear, ear pods, uh, iPods, whatever those are called. Yeah, um, that's a, we, we, we used that on our show too, just to help out with the, not only for them to be able to hear, I assume you guys do the same thing so you can hear each other, but also as established as a prop on the show so you can, you know, Exactly. So what we ended up doing is we ended up using Zoom as our basically video village and the way for the actors to play off of each other. And oh, they also were given these stands that are kind of are loops that went around the computer with um, iPhone holders on them. And what we would do oh, is we basically had the lenses facing the actors um, and the screens of the iPhone uh, would be facing the computer camera. So basically Zoom became our video village. So That's the DP really and cool. our, uh, and Ben, our sound guy, were able to um, look and see all the levels and look at all of the details and the framing and everything else. And Rob could see the frames and general, have a general idea of what we were gonna get um, in terms of footage while we were shooting. And then the actors could hear each other even though they couldn't necessarily see each other real time while we were shooting and to play off of each other. So that's kind of how we did it. And then at the end of every day, um, the actors would basically seal up their phones in the boxes, the, the one phone, put it outside their door and a uh, post would come pick it up, come dump the footage onto their system, uh, sanitize the phones and send them back to the actors. And so they could start editing and going through the daily footage um, while we were shooting, which was great. The other thing that Zoom allowed us to do is we would record the Zoom session and then upload it. And so um, Megan and David would basically go through dailies 
um, they'd look through the footage we shot and start circling favorites. We did have our script supervisor on who was also sending notes, but basically they were, whenever we were not shooting, Rob and Megan and, uh, and David would be going through these, this footage from uh, what we recorded in Zoom and finding their favorite takes and circling performance and giving notes to the editors, which was really very cool. And um, I think is kind of what helped us edit it so fast because without that, I, I don't know that between the turnaround of when post and however they would have to upload it for people to view and give notes, it would have been uh, probably overly intensive and data heavy and all. Oh, I can't, the, it's the turnaround time, right? For all of us. I mean, I, ours was like, I mean, I think four, just over four weeks from like actually written to airing. I, I mean, it was, that's in the beginning, that was the part that didn't throw me, but I just was standing there going, well, wait, what? I mean, you know, usually a turnaround for at least a multi-camera show is like three months, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, it's amazing. And what you just described is, I'm sure that was so easy to keep track of. That's a lot. That's a lot of. That's an amazing amount of technology. Um, yeah, I mean, there was only one day. One of the big things that was genius, and I don't know who came up with it. I mean, but the idea that the actors had three phones at any given time—that even if one went away, they had two. So if we had any technical issues, they always had a backup phone that they could pull up and and use. Was just great. What was pretty cool was Zoom. Actually, it. I mean obviously uh, coded and written for another type of business meeting. But we, one thing that we stumbled upon um, our first AD, uh, Robin Pratt, um, we were talking about how do you last look? How do you have a room, if you will, for actors to get ready? So once we had, uh, cause we, we shot all in MacBooks like, like this. So we'd have two Zoom rooms. Zoom number one was the shoot room. Zoom number two, so I'd be in Zoom number room uh, number one shooting with you guys. And while this was happening, uh, the actors are coming up in the next scene and everyone, they're in Zoom room number two and makeup and hair's on there, making sure wardrobe, our DP, you know, getting it all nice and lit up. So that all they had to do was just go leave meeting, log in the new one, not touch anything. And that's how we streamlined our process. Because um, we have kids too. We have to have school teachers. The kids, we still have to, the kids were still going to school. We still had to, uh, you know, break for lunches. You know, we it, it wasn't like we were, it was a wild, wild west, but it was the wild, wild west with Hollywood rules still applying. So, um, but the Zoom rooms really is what really helped us streamline what we were doing. That's for sure. Uh, Mike and Emily, when when it came to scheduling both your episodes, did were you, because of the way we were shooting, we were almost able to shoot like scene one, scene two, scene three, and we just mixed it up when maybe somebody's workload was too much or something like that for a day. Where, did, did you, and it helped our post people be able to go right to editing and almost do the entire day and shoot and, and edit the episode as we're shooting it. Did you guys shoot the same way? Uh, we have, because we have kids, we, I, historically, I, I always like to shoot the hardest stuff first. I think we all do. And then put that in the rear view mirror. Um, but in this case, um, to your point, I tried to shoot it as much chronologically as I could just for everyone, you know, to follow along with the play as best they could. The kids knew where we were at. Um, but because we had the kids, we had to still, just like we do a normal, they can only work nine and a half hours. So um, you have to kind of, you know, we'd schedule an adult scene while they were in school or we would, you know, you'd, we'd do some adults first just to get the technology up and rolling, then bring in the kids, kids blow up. Then we shot, you know, our Trent and Mary bits, but, um, but that's your, but, 
thinking about, you're right, scheduling wise, it was nice to shoot. We didn't break up scenes. We didn't block shoot anything. Um, we just, you know, we shot one scene and walked away, you know, so it was all nice and complete. Plus our editor was on the Zoom room too. And so a couple times when I was like, uh, can you make that jump work if I go like this? So it, it was really, it was great having all hands on deck because when, usually when we're shooting, just the editors aren't on stage or, you know, but it truly was, everyone was in the room and, and everyone, every idea was valid or every idea was, I'm sure for all of you, it's like, if anyone had an idea, everyone listened because that may have just been the, the you know, the saving call um, as opposed to sometimes on stage. Um, but I kept laughing when we going into it because I was thinking, I was thinking what Emily said about how could you possibly know what's going to come down the line. And I always laugh, you know, we're a business of, we have 100 to 200 problems a day and we're on stage and we have all the elements to, to, you know, attack it fast, light goes out, switch it, uh, you know, bring this, bring that in. And all I could think of was I'm like, okay, well that happens on stage in the most optimal, you know, uh, way to shoot something. We're gonna have us all in different locations. <laughs> you know, the kids, our kid actors had to become, I mean, grips, electricians, I mean, make, make up and hair themselves. I mean, you know, we gave them tutorials. So, but that's what was keeping me up at night. I was like, okay, well, how do we, you know, what if someone can't log in? What if, what if someone's internet goes down? What if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if you know, I just, it never stopped. Um, but honestly, we remarkably got through it pretty, shooting days were pretty, went really well. You know, which it just speaks to all of our crew's prep. I mean, you cannot ever, you know, dismiss prep time. It's just so huge to make the shooting go smooth. Oh, 100%. I mean, the only way I think that we were able to make this work was the absolute amount of prep. And even though our prep was shortened, it was kind of like prep never stopped. I don't know how it was for you, yeah. YouTube, but it was like normally, yeah, you prep and then you shoot. And while you're shooting, yeah, you might have a little couple things that come up for the future, but it's not huge. I found at least for myself in this that I was prepping all the time. Like once I was on, I basically didn't stop working until we finished shooting. <laughs> I mean, all the time. It just was you just had to kind of keep ahead of it. Um, and in terms of the scheduling and part of it was because of that, I put together this lovely schedule. Um, it was wonderful, beautiful. Uh, it went out the window pretty much as soon as we started shooting, um, which is just the way of the world. Yes. <laughs> Best laid plans. Um, uh, yes. So um, yes, we always, I mean, uh, Rob likes to shoot as much in order as possible. Rob was directing the episode. Um, but that being said, he also wanted it again, important to him that it looked as best as possible. And since we don't have all of the lighting tricks and everything on board, and we did want to shoot everybody together in the scenes, again, because of the comedy and just being able to keep it rolling, we had to take into consideration when the lighting was best in everybody's home and when there wasn't sound issues. So for example, um, one of our actors uh, had construction next door. And the only day they didn't work construction was Sunday. So we had to shoot her scenes on a Sunday. Um, there was another actor whose uh, significant other has a day job and they have a small dog. And so for her personally, we weren't so worried about the dog barking, but she in her head was very worried about the dog barking. So we had to kind of schedule. So for her comfort that her mind could be on the show and not on the dog. So we had to wait until her significant other was available to take the dog out for a walk so that she could focus on her acting. So that type of stuff played into my schedule as well as trying to shoot as much as possible in order. Um, the other thing is again, because Rob was trying to get it done so quickly that I had it spread out over a certain number of days and we ended up continually pulling things up. 
but luckily our actors are just amazing people and they were so into it and just so ready that I could actually give them a call and be like, I am so sorry. I know we were going to shoot the scene tomorrow. Do you think you'd be available three hours from now to shoot? And to a T, they'd all be like, oh yeah, that's fine. We'll make it work. Um, which is part of quarantine as well, I suppose. I mean, people are trapped <laughs> in their home. Their, their social schedule is not uh, necessarily what it used to be. But what was interesting is I did run into that while scheduling too. I'd be like, hey, we're going to shoot the scene this day. And as things were changing, they'd be like, well, I changed my plans around. We were supposed to have a game night with our friends. You know, that type <laughs> <thing>. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> that, that of That was one of our biggest things we, when going into it too. Was like, no actor. Uh, availability issues. We're done. Nobody's on a flight. Nobody's coming back from here. We're good. And then, you know, first day you're like, you've got to do what now at five? <laughs> we're not, I, I'm in my kitchen at five. You, like, where are you going to be at five? You can't go anywhere. So yeah, that was, that was amusing. But it, but I think what was interesting was, especially for us, and again, because we have kids on our show, 13 year olds and stuff. Um, I mean, we, we, our business I mean, look, we're, we're gone from home a long time, sometimes 16 hours, 18 hours a day, 12 hours a day. But the key word is we're gone at work. There is a whole world happening in our homes with our kids, with our um, spouses, significant others that, you know, we don't know about because we're at work. Well, what, what we ran into, myself included, everybody, is the quarantine episode shooting at home in the beginning was like, all right, we're going to do this. But then we were shooting in people's homes. We were, there were all kinds of other life going on around the shoot. Our, our lead actor has a, has a three-year-old who, you know, loves her dad. And if he's home, she's going to be with her dad. So <laughs> Cooper had to be in the garage, you know, we, we literally had to be down in the garage. So, you know, his uh, beautiful little girl um, wouldn't interrupt, but, but you still have that, you still have that playing through your head. Like you were just saying, like the dog, you're not as free to be, like our stages, I always try to have a real fun stage because that's how you be creative, right? And you, but when you're home like that, there's all those other like just stressful things that are happening, not to mention a global pandemic is why you're home. So it was, um, that part of it reared its head more often than not, not necessarily in a bad way, but in an awareness way, like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, you're not, um, we're not on that stage. We're in your kitchen. It's 5.30. Your kids are hungry. It's time for dinner. But Hey, we got to shoot the show. It, it, it was interesting watching life and art keep intersecting, you know. Um, but you're right; everyone was so was so great about it. Um, but certainly, it was that was something I didn't anticipate was shoot, even myself included, you know, shooting at home. And it was, you know, I'm out here in my office garage. It was hotter than hell and sweating, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to, you know, just trying to get her done. But um, but that was a uh, that was something I did not see coming down the pike. That intersection of home and work and global pandemic all in this zoom screen, you know, and it was, oof, it, sometimes it was, um, it got a little stressful that way. Yeah. I, I think, uh, as you guys all know, as ADs, I mean, we, we work some of the longest hours of, of any of the crew and we had just come off 22 episodes. And so I, I'm, we were supposed to be done about the time that everything shut down. I was supposed to be on my hiatus anyway. So it's, it's dad's home and I'd been home for a couple of weeks and then we, crank back up on this online thing but i'm home and i've got a four-year-old and every day come in all day and go hey you know let's go kick the soccer ball let's go do this and it was heartbreaking to be like <laughs> i'm finally home and he, he doesn't understand why i'm now just glued to a desk and it was the shooting hours and 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 the amount of work was way more than i ever thought it would 
was going yes. to be, and it has oh. to be in order for yeah. it to be as smooth as it's going to be. But I, when I, I know when I first got the call, it was, I don't know how we're going to do it. I'm in, and sure, I'll, I'll check in on set every now and then, and then, uh, you know, I'll go off and do things like I normally, and it was the complete opposite. It was, yeah. I was exhausted by the end of the day. I didn't want to sit down at a computer anymore. Um, just being outside for fresh air was, was a relief. Oh. So uh, <laughs> it, it was all of that, but, but having the family coming by and, you know, you're stuck, you, you, you just close the door and you're locked away in a cave for 12, 13 hours and, and they know you're home and you haven't seen them in, you know, 10 months. That was hard. I mean, yeah. that, was, that was really challenging. Uh, that was the surprising thing to me was I, you know, I knew we were making a new form of television, but I was like, ah, we're home. We're sitting in front of a computer. There's one angle. Like how, how bad could it be? But I don't think I've ever worked so hard on an episode of TV as I have on this one. I mean, I agree I, a thousand percent. It yes. was, and, 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 the, and then I guess out of that one of the most rewarding, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Um, but I was having Zoom dreams because I was spending 12 <laughs> hours a day on Zoom. And I, I just, it was like, oh, like, great. It, I finally got off Zoom and now I'm sleeping and I'm having my dreams in Zoom format, which was just <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> uh, something, happened, uh, something happened with us that I thought um, was actually very interesting and it was uh, quite glorious when you saw it actually starting to take effect. Because like you guys said, we called it our consult day when we went into everyone's homes or, you know, by Zoom and, you know, started looking at people's homes. And, and um, it was interesting, the actors at first, and again, this is from the kids and even our, our two adult actors. Um, at first, it was like, okay, well, yeah, I mean, I guess if we shoot this way, yeah, I'll be fine and all that type of thing. But then as we started talking about, well, what does your set look like? Like uh, one of our characters' name is Bose, and the actor who plays him is Luca. And... All of a sudden, we started to go through it. And Luca was like, well, no, 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 no. Bose's desk wouldn't look like this. It'd be messier. And then he started doing that. All of our other actors started kind of getting on board the same way. They started taking like an ownership of their character, their set, their props that they never had before. You know, they, they show up, hair, makeup. They walk to a standing set. They get handed props that are built. And, you know, we go and do our scene. But it was really cool seeing all the actors as that bell went off that, they are part of that process now. They're creating what their set looks like. They're creating what the, uh, what the prop is that they want to use. Um, and I thought that was, it was really great to see. And I think to some extent raised the stakes of how they think about their characters, if that makes sense. They just, ownership is what I really, you know, it's not just reading a script and seeing, okay, this is what I say and where I go. They really were like, okay, well, my character is this. Their room would look like this. They would, anything they have looks like that. Um, did your actors kind of go through that same um, kind of uh, illumination, if you will? Ours, yes and no. I mean, they they definitely did to a certain extent. They were definitely doing whatever they could, could to try to make it as authentic as possible. And like, for example, when we were scouting um, Jesse Ennis's house, who plays Joe, she was like, oh, well, I don't, I don't know if she suggested it, um, but she's like, would, he have, would she have a, a picture of portrait of President Reagan behind her? Somebody suggested it, you know? And so yeah. our art department went, oh God, yeah. You know, we went and got it approved and, and we, we went and found one for her and she hung it behind her. And uh, uh, um, uh, one of our other actresses, like she needed a cross, but she's, you know, didn't have any in her home. And so went about painting one for her character, like, and it was perfect. It was stuff exactly, like that, yeah. you know, stuff like that happened that they were, you know, 
and just, yeah, everybody was so on board getting into it. Um, you know, I had kind of normally, you know, we'd put together some sort of um, breakdown for the crew in terms of what props and everything they need um, that we'd go over in our production meetings. And uh, I found that I, I wanted to try to take as much of that pressure off the actors as I could in terms of they had enough on their plate in terms of having to hit record and set up the frame and everything else. And I didn't want them necessarily having to go through the scene and being like, what, well, what am I forgetting? Um, so I actually did a breakdown for all the actors about, you know, what they were supposed to be wearing, what props oh, they great. should have. Um, you know, I, I sent them a screenshot of what we, when we had scouted, we, I took little screenshots of the frame that we'd set up. So they had a guideline. So they kind of at least had a starting point um, when we were, were getting to shoot. So I kind of sent them little cheat sheets, like their own individual breakdowns of what they needed for every scene and just to try to help them so that while they're thinking about everything else and doing their own hair and makeup and getting in their wardrobe that, you know, at least they had a list and they weren't, you know, panicked about we're halfway through the scene and like, oh, I was supposed to have, you know, popcorn. Oh, you know, and then so, um, but yeah, I think they really did take ownership and they were really like when we were scouting their houses, uh, they were beyond what just was practical for them to shoot. I think they were really trying to figure out, you know, where their character would be and how they can yeah. make that more of feeling real. Yeah, for All Rise, it was it was almost the exact same experience. I mean, all, all the actors were on board uh, and they had to do, uh, whether it was, we had, I believe it was five or six continuity days. So it was a, a lot of different costumes and props. And yeah, I know when we got Whoa, the script, we're like, yeah, so wow. it was, uh, it was quite a bit. And, um, and it was all oh. like, you know, letting the actors know like, hey, you know, you put on this, you're wearing this, you're wearing, and then sometimes even on the same day it was you're in court and now you're doing oh. a, a date night with your boyfriend so you had a different costume in that so um so uh, with their doing their hair and makeup their oh own God. hair and makeup of course doing their costumes and then a lot of some of the props of course we were able to create with our prop department and mail to them on time and then a yeah. lot of them they they created on their own sometimes if it was food or or something like that they would prepare it and uh, cook it and eat it uh, on their own. Um, and they all took ownership of that. And, you know, the number of emails and text messages, what do you, should I write this letter in, you know, all caps or how should you, they, you could see them starting to, to think about all the things that we have to think about uh, are that our art department and props and hair, makeup and costumes, all, all the creative oh. stuff. And they were in charge of that. And I will say that our episode, um, we never once had anybody uh, arrive in the wrong makeup and the wrong hair and the wrong costume or anything that they were that on top of it and great. if you saw our episode that's a lot of you that's great Jason. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's true take the compliment at the end of our episode we had the dance party and uh we invited um that was our last scene that we shot and we invited a lot of our crew and even day play almost a, a lot of the cast members that had been on the show who weren't in the episode we just said look come join this uh, this WebEx meeting um, at, on our last day shooting. You can see everybody. And at that point, we'd been shut down for about, I, th I think it was four or five weeks. So it had been a while since we'd seen everybody. And we had quite a big turnout of crew members and cast members come into this. And it was just nice because we never got to have a wrap party. So it was almost mm -hmm. like a little wrap party oh, for nice. us. And uh, the biggest thank you that, that happened on the whole thing was anytime a cast member saw somebody who impacted their life on a daily set basis. So a hair and makeup person, uh, uh, in particular, the props people, um, it was like, as soon as they popped in, it was the it was like, you couldn't hear anything else other than a cast member going, oh my God, Rose, I, I had to wear my own watch and I had to keep remembering to put the rings on my fingers and all the, all these things that, you know, they just take for granted. And they, 
it, it was lovely to see that because maybe you don't always see that kind of appreciation for everybody because we're so busy on set. And so you really sure. got to see genuine mm-hmm. people genuinely thanking somebody for their job uh, because they had to stand in their shoes for a week. That's cool. Let's talk more about what additional crew you guys brought in to make the quarantine episode happen. We've, est- we've established you don't have any one-on-one interaction with your actors and they are picking up a lot of that slack of where they normally have a team of support personnel, not just hair and makeup, but props and someone to handle their lighting, et cetera. What folks came on in sort of a consulting role or an active role in getting the episode done from a crew perspective? Uh, for All Rise, in our prep, we pretty much brought in department heads um, to kind of help oversee uh, the looks of the characters uh, for in particular hair, makeup and costumes and then, and then props so they could kind of help facilitate that. Art department was involved a little bit in things like, uh, like pictures and uh, stuff that may be hanging in the background or at least getting uh, clearances on artwork that may already exist in an actor's home, things of that nature. That was all kind of done in prep. Once we, once we switched over to shooting day, it was essentially you know, your, your video village personnel, uh, minus, uh, minus the key grip and gaffer, and then, uh, and then the AD team. And then you've got your production office people kind of facilitating logistics of maybe getting equipment to people's homes and, and things like that. But it was very small. Um, I think our web, our uh, straight up technologies crew with our post-production and our video playback guys, I mean, that department within itself was probably as big as the rest of the crew. Our, our tech side and that was it um i mean we yeah very much like jason said um all the a lot of the crew heads were were very very active in prep um val who is our uh, production designer was very involved in scouting and uh making sure the sets looked great in prep and uh hair and makeup as everybody else mentioned they did consultations beforehand um, differences we did actually have them there on the day as well like we basically did last looks and uh, did touch-ups before we started shooting with everybody they'd take photos on their iPhone send them to hair and makeup hair and makeup would use their iPhones to like circle things and give notes and they'd fix before we oh, came wow. in um, which was awesome and great um, and then uh, but beyond having post with us on the calls um, which we normally didn't obviously we didn't have Griffin electric there yeah, it was, it was pretty small, you know, on our Zoom calls, just to keep uh, the actors the main focus um, for all the crew who was watching. And we basically said anybody can watch. Everybody just had to come in muted and turn off their, their video. And then they could watch. And uh, we used the chat um, texting in terms of giving notes a lot of the time. And um, kind of we had this whole list of protocols of just to the crew that we sent out, you know, to try to keep the chaos down because as I'm sure now everybody has been on many zoom calls over the course of this quarantine. Um, that's kind of the hardest thing is keeping people from talking at once. So, um, (laughs) but it worked out really well, but, um, and, and patience was kind of the, the word of, of the day in the week in the month. It was just everybody, Rob, especially just kept kind of, um, pushing that is just have, patience with yourself, have patience with the process. This is something new we're doing. Um, but yeah, we didn't really have any new crew. I mean, yeah, uh, the production office was working on logistics in terms of transporting. The props were all delivered before we started shooting. The costumes, any costumes that had to come from our costume department was all delivered before shooting. So all that happened um, in, in prep. Um, and yeah, on the day, it was just basically our, our main crew, our hair, makeup, 
AD department, director, DP, our sound mixer, Ben, and, uh, and then some producers and post was there. And that, that was kind of it. It was, it was very small. Yeah, I joked it was, uh, it was the fastest end credit roll cards you've ever seen. Like our, our show was over and it was like, you know, seven names went by and it was like, okay, we were, you know, you don't have the camera guys and so, you know, camera people and sound and, and uh, like I said, when we shot, it was the same thing. We just had our one makeup, our one hair and um, in that zoom room number two, doing all the, you know, the last looking in there. Um, and then went from there. It's a, a funny story. What was interesting was with, for you guys too, it's, the internet's the internet you're just a you know you we are at the at the at the whim of whatever the internet's going to do and our dp his um his internet in his area he lives up in oregon and they were upgrading the wi-fi in his area the two days we were shooting so by definition <laughs> it was down so our, our dp logs on monday morning and he's like in a truck and we're like <laughs> God, what are you doing? He's like, they're upgrading the Wi-Fi in my area. My buddy gave me his hotspot password outside his air conditioning warehouse. So I'm just sitting in a truck, long gone <laughs> for their Wi-Fi. So he had to sit there all day long, oh. you know, just so he could get Wi-Fi to be able to log on and see. We, we just kept joking. He's going to get pulled away any second now. Some poor policeman's going to walk by and be like, dude, what are you doing? You know, right. like a, sitting in this air conditioning truck That's holding great. a laptop. <laughs> um, you know, it just, those were the, the funny things that, you know, that you had to deal with, but you just had to deal with them. Why the Wi-Fi was everything. Did you all hardwire too? Were all your actors, I know you were at the, the iPhones, but did you guys make sure everyone was hardwired ethernet if they could be? If they could be. And, and we even had some actors that needed to go outside and, and maybe be working in a garden. And so it was like, all right, here comes the 200 foot ethernet cable to run from upstairs, downstairs to the kitchen. Um, cool. There were a number of times where that, that didn't work, um, but we always made sure we had at least the speeds that if they were on a Wi-Fi, they had the speeds that they needed uh, to get the quality. But for the most part, hardwire was always the best option. Yeah, we sent cords we out to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's right. You you just had seventy-five we, iPhones. Everybody, well, but the iPhones weren't attached to the internet. I mean, the computers were attached to the internet because we were yeah. using the audio from the Zoom calls. The uh, iPhones were kind of their own totally different um, system. But uh, that was one of the challenges was that, uh, yeah, people's internet weren't great. Well, actually, most everybody's internet was great, but uh, they were different speeds. So we'd be trying to slate and everybody would hold up their little piece of paper, their iPad with the scene number and whatever, and then post, right, the clap. And that was where you could see the internet speeds difference because, um, you know, oh. <laughs> even if I counted down, even if I said three, two, one, clap, you'd have this, you'd have... They were never together ever. It didn't even matter if they were doing it at the same time. Um, (laughs) But luckily because the sound was independently recorded, it actually helped us with the comedy because we, people could talk over each other or basically what was said was even if somebody's delayed, just keep going. Because if you guys are are talking over each other, we're not going to hear that on the audio because your audio is clean. So Emily, F. Mary Abraham was in New York, right? So what special accommodations do you have to make for that? That's right. Yes, he was in New York. So we did have to add on um, an additional post PA um, to grab the phone from him. So what would end up happening is after he would finish recording, he would uh, pack everything up and give it to his doorman because that's how things work in New York. And then our PA would come and pick up the phone, bring it back he would actually download the data to upload back to LA just so we had 
at least some digital footage of it in case anything should happen to the phone. And then he would ship it back to us overnight. So that was a, a little bit different. And um, we did also have to take into account that because, you know, Murray was three hours uh, ahead of us before us in terms of when we were scheduling and shooting, we had to keep that in mind. How many shoot days did each of you have? All rise was six. We, we initially tried to go for five shooting days and realized uh, that we should go in. Uh, we should add an extra day, which was the right call. Um, and uh, we shot straight and we were, we did prep and then went straight to shooting. So it was almost at the end of it, it was almost like 14 straight days of, of working. So we were all very tired by the end of it. Yeah. Um, I originally scheduled four. We shot basically 95% of the episode, everything except the last scene in three days. Um, we, we combined it to three. Um, wow. Originally I had three days of prep, um, but the Rube Goldberg's, uh, I don't know anybody who's, seen the show sorry spoiler um but at the end they the were warned Emily. That, Emily, we warned them you. they were responsible for it, so <laughs> you just you go um, right into it perfect so we we had these rube goldbergs which um our special effects actually built we didn't even go out of house to do them he built 16 rube goldbergs um which is incredible i don't know if anybody has ever had to do it when i was like a junior in high school i think this was a physics problem project i had to do and i must have spent like six weeks working on it and i still got to see because it only works half the time. Um, and so <laughs> um, our special effects. So, I mean, one of the big things is knowing that about Rube Goldberg. So I was going, oh my God, he's got to build 16 and they have to work constantly. Like, because you're sending them to actors who have to then make them work. I mean, there's yes. nobody there from special effects to, to help them out. Um, so yeah, we, uh, I, I mean, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, special effects built 16 machines we sent them to the actors we then had to frame them appropriately within the boxes of their their iphones um so that we could connect them so at the end of the episode it looks like um the rube goldberg oh. is just one big machine rather than 16 individual um pieces and when we started prepping this they had already started building them before i i came on board they had they had designed the whole thing before i even started um but we didn't really know how it was going to work <laughs> It was brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we got through all of the actual dialogue and scene work in three days and then spent two days prepping the Rube Goldberg stuff and then ended up shooting two days the Rube Goldbergs. We were a little bit, again, we're a multi-camera show. So we will, we generally speaking, we rehearse for two days and then we shoot for three in a normal week. But in this circumstance, we... I probably was prepping with our UPM Jimmy at least a, a week to a week and a half, even before that, just starting to try to, like you were all just trying to figure out the logistics. But we had something called the consult day, which is day one, which I think what you all did going through the homes, getting all set up. And then we did two days of rehearsal. We rehearsed. I rehearsed with the cast all day long for two days. We typically on a multi-camera have a run through, you know, you'll bring the, the writers down, the producers, and you'll run your scenes A to Z. And then you get notes and you get your revised script the next day, rehearse, run through, and then start shooting. To Chris, we really, our showrunner, we really wanted to still maintain the process as best we could. And that included rehearsing and the writers able to see it play in real time on Zoom so that we, you know, we got revised scripts, you know, based on the day's work and, um, and stuff like that. So um, it was, it was intensive for those five days. You know, the actors were, you know, they were on for five days and they're rehearsing and, but the rehearsing was key, though. I mean, especially for, again, all of our mediums are different, but 
just to get the comedy and for the kids, you know, the rehearsal days were, I would argue very, they were key for it because without that, just to run into a block shooting would have been a something we're not used to doing and B would have been very hard to, to not do something we're used to doing in a, in a whole brand new environment. So we want to maintain as much as we could how we do our show. Um, so everyone was still comfortable with that. And it, it, like I said, that's why we shot it in two days. It was, uh, we were, we were moving and grooving, but, um, but without the rehearsals, we never could have pulled that off. And it had to be more, much more, I, I would think at least two more days. So is anybody planning to do additional quarantine episodes? All Rise, as of now, is, is not. Uh, I know uh, our, our show sort of takes place real time in the real world. So we're kind of looking at where we're going to be as a society in, say, September uh, and October when, when we start back to work. And, and so if people are wearing masks still and things like that, like that, all that may find itself um, in our world and social distancing. Uh, you know, how, however the world is, is interacting is how our world will interact. I think we're going to benefit from that from a shooting perspective. I think it's going to make our life a lot easier. Um, of course, we'll still have to play within the rules of, uh, of Hollywood too. So when we have say two characters that are dating on our show, it's going to be real interesting to see how we play those moments where they uh, wouldn't be wearing a mask at home living together. Um, and those are the challenges that I'm sure we all have. Um, when we first did our, our episode we and, and completed the, the web episode, we, thought uh well we can we can do it if we have to do it and we'll see where we are we don't anticipate having to do another one but we know that it can be done and and we have been asked from other other shows that are coming online thinking of doing one and there are actually new shows um that the premise is you know web calls and things like that uh, and, and and shooting it that way so we've been a little involved in some of that but at some point we'll have to step back into into all rise and, and get our show going I think all hands on deck are, are towards uh, getting us back on stage and, and starting to attempt to tackle those issues that like we were saying, we're hopefully going to be back early August. Um, I've been, I've had a couple of meetings about the, um, the way it's going to look when we go back and uh, it's, it's intense. I mean, there's just nothing else to say about it. I mean, it's, it's intense. I mean, with the, our basic premise is the color coded zones where everyone can be um, matching bracelets about where you can have access to, I mean, obviously, you know, checking in in the morning will be just that, checking in with, uh, you know, a temperature take. And I'm assuming testing is going to be mingled in throughout it. But you you said it with the actors, you know, all roads, it's all got to be built around the actors because we can have, I mean, Breaking Bad, you know, has Matt suits on all day for all we care, but the actors cannot. And just like you were saying, you, you guys have dating. We're a superhero show. I mean, we punch, we tackle, we, you know, we stunts galore um gags tons of gags that's something that obviously needs to be addressed as well when we come back um but i like what you said that we know what we're doing if we had to do it again i'd do it again i think it's uh, there was something that was very rewarding coming out of it you know pulling pulling it off like that um so i would i'd be down to do it again but i, I think right now everything's we're just trying to get we're just trying to figure out how to get the show back on just get it back on the stage yeah i mean from everything i've i've heard uh it was fabulous that we were able to do it. We're all very, very proud of the episode. But I think at this point, we're, we're working on trying to figure out how to come back uh, live. I mean, not live TV, but uh, everybody working together on stage. Um, it's still unclear about when that's going to happen. We're still trying to figure out protocols. And again, when it's safe for the actors. Um, and it'll be interesting. I mean, I know uh, the writer's room has been working over quarantine. 
Um, but what's interesting about our show is because this quarantine episode actually takes place before the season. So it was an add-on to the end of season one. It became episode 10 of season one, but we already shot season two, episode one, which was pre-quarantine. Oh. So it'll mm. be interesting to see how we either A, have to reshoot episode one from this year in order to make it make sense in the new world, or two, I'm not sure how they want to tackle that whole piece in terms of how we're going to come back with now the fact that it is a reality that everybody needs to wear masks out in public. I'm not sure how much we're going to embrace that and how much, um, cause I think there has been, this was at least a month ago. I don't know what the new thinking of it was, but I know, uh, you know, there's talk about how much, yes, we're in quarantine and yes, this is the new world, but balancing the entertainment aspect of it in terms of being able to see actors faces and jokes landing and not necessarily pushing in our world. I mean, it definitely makes sense for all rise, of course, you know, sticking to reality, but whether or not they fully embrace that in our world or whether they're trying to provide some release in terms of the world in general, not what we see outside right now. So I think that's all, all being discussed in terms of how, how we come back and, and what the new, new episodes look like as well. Although they were all written beforehand. So it'll, it'll just be interesting to see how it changes. You guys all have some real challenges ahead of you, picking your seasons back up and uh, getting back into it. Um, appreciate you guys coming on today. Tell us what you did. When you do get back up and running, hope you'll come back again and let us know how that's working out, guys. But uh, thanks very much for your time today. It's been fun. Well, thanks, Gabe. Thank you. Thanks, Gabe. It's been great. Listeners, I hope you've enjoyed the episode. Your feedback is always welcome and greatly appreciated. You can send email comments to skid, S-K-I-D, at belowtheline1word.biz. That's B-I-Z. Please rate us wherever you get your podcast. It helps us reach new listeners. And new listeners, I hope you'll peruse our past seasons. Maybe discover some other episodes that might interest you as well. The topic of each show is captured in the title. If you're on Facebook, you can find photos and other behind-the-scenes materials at Podcast Below the Line. And finally, you can follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Pod Below the Line. Thanks to Curtis Five for our music and John Juan for our logo. The logo is available on t-shirts, mugs, and stickers at redbubble.com. Be safe out there. Hope to see everyone again next week. Excuse me. Um, I swear I don't have COVID, guys. Ah. But, uh, can't fix that in post, but... Uh. No. <laughs> God, that's the, that's the get out of jail card. <laughs> <laughs> What have we been doing here, people? <laughs> I'd be back in the studio months ago. <laughs>